you're doing your friends and your loved ones the service in your life if you don't share the pain with them because they want to be there for you had i probably just been more vocal about how i was feeling in a lot of moments like growing up especially it helps everybody understand you better and like can react to how you're reacting better the following podcast is a dear media production it's violet benson your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for but need welcome to almost adulting almost adulting are you ready? Hi, besties, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, the largest self-help podcast and movement, your number one destination for personal growth and mental health. I am your big sister and your host, Violetta. And today, my amazing special guest is Brooke Schofield. And she was born on November 26th. She's a Satch from Arizona. She's a YouTuber and a podcast host of the popular podcast called Cancelled with her co-host, Tana... Okay, I always say Tana Monjo, even though I know that's not her last name. It's close, Monjo. Oh, what's a hidden talent that you would say you have that no one knows about? Ooh, I can remember songs like so easy. Like I can hear a song one time and I can know all the words to the song, but I'm not good at remembering anything else. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That is kind of a talent. Yeah, that's the only hidden talent I have. My hidden talent is that I'm surprisingly average at everything okay so um. some people yeah so let me tell you how this talent some people are really good some at very few things are really good at very few things or and they have their things that they're so bad at i'm not bad at anything okay but i'm also not great at anything i'm exceptionally bad at like a lot of things but i'm really not great at anything so i'm average at some things yeah so i'm just kind of average at everything like anything i learn how to do i can do it i'll well, just be average quality to have. just not bad at anything do you ever take it so far as to like try to really get good at it i try to be good at everything oh (laughs) so just doesn't i guess i do too i'm just not very successful in it yeah i'm such a competitive person like i want to be the best at everything but i'm just not and i'm okay with it i didn't get that bone i'm like not really very competitive you're not i don't know why did you not grow up with siblings i did but i i don't i didn't you a middle child I'm, a, I'm the youngest child. And you're not competitive? Mm-mm. But I was like, I didn't really grow up with my siblings like that. So I was pretty much an only child. Oh, okay. Got it. So I guess I really didn't have anyone I was competing with. But I was a dancer. So I like, probably you'd think I would be competitive. But I wasn't, I just wasn't, my head was not in the game. Really? I was more concerned about like boys or like. I'm so competitive. But it's probably because my dad always made my sister and I competitive with each other. So we got used to. My sister was just always really good at everything. Oh, that's the worst. I've had friends like that. Although, like, I don't know. I nev- I just have never been competitive really with anyone. Maybe because I know that I couldn't win. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, why, why bother? <laughs> that's me. Yeah, I don't really win. Okay. In your journey, what would you say some type of belief or value that you used to hold for a really long time and then maybe recently you reevaluated or changed that idea and something that like prompted that shift I feel like I was actually just thinking about I grew up thinking like I had to be or have like a college education and stuff to be successful and that like it was better to have like a stable good like job that requires a degree than it was to like pursue something else I just thought I had to go to college and graduate and get my degree and I didn't and then I'm doing fine without it so I feel like I don't feel that way anymore and I'm hearing now that they're not even like a lot of jobs are not requiring it like people can like I feel like it's we're gonna phase out of college pretty soon here oh my god don't say that (laughs) I hope everyone goes to college but yeah no did you go to college 
Yeah, I have two degrees. Oh, of course. You're, <laughs> you're brilliant. <laughs> Not really, but... But I, like, I really... I grew up thinking that was, like, the most important thing in the world. And, like, my grandparents were so adamant about it. And then... I mean, yeah, I used to be an accountant. So oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I need help with my taxes, seriously. So I used to be an accountant, <laughs> and that's one of my deg- my two degrees is in oh, accounting. Cool. What's your second one? Business law. Oh, wow. You're so, so smart. So, no. But thank you, I should say. That's one thing I think the women, we need to stop doing. And maybe we should all stop doing this like in 2024, which we're, we deny compliments. We sh- and it is, it is a woman thing. Science research shows that women tend to accidentally go right away from what we've learned to be humble and, and, and feminine. And so, oh, my God, no, no, I'm not that great. And then, especially in the workplace, the research shows that if you keep saying, oh, no, 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 I'm not that great. No, people go, oh, They'll okay, yeah, you're you, right, yeah. never mind. And then with men in the workplace, research shows that – they always go based on their potential. So with women, it's more being humble. And with men, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm killing it. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing this. And then people go, oh, I want to be on that person's team. Right. So it's like, oh, you're so great. <laughs> thank you, obviously. I try to be conscious about that. I'll always try and say like, oh, wow, like, thank you. Instead of, no, stop. Yeah. So then you say, oh, that makes me feel so good. Thank you. Right. I appreciate that. You're right. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Anyway, I like that. What, what would you say, something from recently that you heard, what's some piece of advice or wisdom that someone recently shared with you and it continues to resonate with you bring into the new year? I feel like I've, I'm learning recently from like those around me who just care a lot. Like I'm somebody who cares so much about like what other people think as far as like, like I want people to think I'm, I'm nice and respectful and whatever and like sometimes it's at the expense of myself like I'll protect somebody online or I like won't say things that people have done to me or like even just real in real life also like I want to make myself look like I'm just like nice and kind but then I like am not being honest about situations so I feel like people have been like speak up yeah stick up for yourself kind of thing like especially honestly mostly in my personal life like just like I have a hard time speaking up speaking up for myself and I feel like I've been way better about that recently and then it's translated online because I'm like check this one out (laughs) (laughs) that's good I'm proud of you I'm happy that you're doing that I think that's important I'm trying (laughs) that's a good wisdom to speak up so I was watching your vlog last week and you talked about how one of the things you want to manifest for your year it's a healthy relationship and you emphasize the word healthy because you said normally I just try to manifest a relationship and I don't say the word healthy so this year I wanted differently elaborate when you meant what you meant by that I just think when you ask the universe for things you need to be specific because sometimes they'll send you exactly what you wanted mm-hmm. but you didn't you like forgot to include what you didn't want or like things you were trying to avoid yeah I feel like I've I said it in the vlog but I'm like I keep manifesting like oh I want a relationship and I'll get a relationship and then it'll be like the worst yeah relationship ever have you had some bad experiences recently I have well honestly not recently this last like 2023 was a good year because I didn't really like seriously date anyone but my last relationship like real relationship was about as bad as they come so okay so I (laughs) did want to obviously you've talked about enough but to any of my listeners who haven't had a the amazing opportunity of getting to know you yet until this podcast or to any of your new listeners that we can refresh their memory just briefly I do want to dive quickly into your last relationship, which was around 2020 or 2021. No, it was 2022, the end of 2022. It was a year, almost exactly a year yeah. ago. Okay, Clinton, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. 
then of uh, 2022 and basically your ex was just a pathological liar and lied from his accent lied to you from his accent to somebody in his family dying for sympathy yeah for he had told me his mom dad and brother had all passed in the like year before and he was from australia and he grew up super rich like he just had this like extremely elaborate like storyline that just none of it was true were his mom dad and brother alive his mom and his brother are alive so you dated somebody that told you that his mom and his brother are dead Mm -hmm. but they were just alive and well and doing great yeah and not like a one-off like oh i said it once and i never talked about it again it was like a constant theme of our life or like of his life and our relationship was like ever since my mom died or like you remind me of my mom like his mom was the entire his entire personality and her like having passed and she just she's kicking she's chilling she's alive and then how was he able to just fake because australian accents are really hard to fake like, well he's not good at it British. but i'm not the <laughs> smartest <laughs> okay he's so bad at it if you look back i just archived all our videos together the other day because i'm just like i don't even want anybody who dates me from this point forward to be able to like see that because i'm like what was i thinking he did not have an australian accent or can you mimic anyway. it? Well, he would just – honestly, no. He's. It was like he would say, like, I lived in the U.K., so, like, I, I, I'm mixing oh. them up. But, like, he grew up in Brunei, which I actually don't even know where Brunei is. But I w Yeah, I would literally believe all of that, too. But he, oh, he's also Filipino. His mom, I don't even think, speaks English. So I'm like, he must also speak another language that he never told me about. So how scary <sighs> is that? <laughs> that's so weird that's something you would think he would actually like imagine want to show like off. if you were like in a relationship and you just didn't tell him that you spoke any other languages i think but that was my sister my sister lived half of her life in israel and i think one of her boyfriends it's i remember they were together for a year and i was like does he know you're from like you're born in russia and you grew up in israel and she's like well i, I don't know you just never ask oh <laughs> such a man thing to do is just never ask and i was like that's literally half of your life that's like a really important detail but that's my favorite detail about you is that you speak so many languages oh, that's the coolest thing thank you so much because you know how smart you well of course you know how smart you have to be but like do you have to be really smart to speak yes, multiple languages absolutely because you're so like like the way you present yourself and stuff in english is like you're so smart so i can't imagine that's so in funny like your you first or second language because the way you present yourself i really like you come up so likable and Thank you have you. this trait about yourself even when i watched your tiktok videos there's something about how you speak in your tiktok videos that makes you very watchable and i even i don't know if it's because you lick your lips or what it is which i know i, I someone noticed i know got irritated by that which that never bothered me but your lips are really nice so it's I don't know how to explain when I'm watching the video. I focus on your mouth area and it's like it's 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 kind of like, OK, on TikTok when that one girl that was doing those videos like. Yeah. And she got millions, hundreds of millions of views and people really could not understand or fathom why that happened is because there's certain faces or just something about them are easy to watch. And it's it, it's it, it brings you serotonin. Oh, interesting. I've never thought about that. So I like, feel like it's just a tick of mine. <laughs> no. So then for you, when you speak, there's something about you that because I don't like watching videos like in general, because part of my job is constantly looking for like funny videos and things like that. So just work for me. Mm -hmm. But like with your videos, instead of swiping through a lot of times, most of the time I kind of stop and then I watch it because you're just interesting to watch. Well, thank you. So it's a really cool trait. 
thank you so much <laughs> i'm like take that all the people who hate on me for licking my lips i can't help it i found out i had to look into it because it was like your medicine it is but it's like it's like i get i don't know if it's like dry mouth or what it is but it's a it's something like really common with the medication that i take that people whatever it is it's 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 because we're focusing on your mouth because something about you is watchable so it's a good it's well, a good now thing. that people have pointed it out to i almost feel like i do it more because now i'm like you know it's like when you feel like you have yeah. an itch yeah no don't don't worry about whatever they're saying you're doing just fine thank you. but you do come off very likable i like that about you well, thank you okay so let's move on past that one ex i'm not even gonna mention his name mm-hmm. since you meant you made it a point to say how you don't even want anyone you've ever dated to know about him but after him you did meet up you got to know you were like i'm done with singers how about a comedian yeah i should have been just done with the talent yeah in general so then you ran into matt Reif. yeah and you were like this seems like a good idea would you say is matt Reif the one that got away no <laughs> i don't think so mm, okay what about you do you think so <laughs> <laughs> well um <laughs> okay funny story <laughs> So Brooke and I actually, I got to watch the whole escapade with her and Matt and the stuff happened. I normally keep everything to myself, including people I'm ever romantically interested in. But it seemed that I happened to fall in the same category that I thought Matt stopped talking. When Matt and I stopped talking, that's when him and Brooke started talking. But it turned out that we were actually also talking at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't get you. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think Matt Reif was the one that got away from me. You do? No. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really sorry for whoever ends up on that train. Yeah. Okay. So in a parallel universe, obviously Matt Rife probably thinks that he is a catch and he probably is the one that got away with every girl he's ever been with. So if you had a chance to leave him a Yelp review for dating him, what would be your star rating? And then what would be your brief but honest review of it? This is hard because I feel like I felt one way about it when it ended and I feel completely differently about it now. It's like I went and wrote a review already for a product that was amazing and then it broke down the line. Yeah. Like, he was great at the time until I realized he was just a fraud. I'm like, what the fuck? So at what point did you realize you dodged the bullet? Very recently, honestly. When I started just realizing how many people were talking to him. But to be honest, I'm going to give him five stars for leaving me in the dust honestly because i'm so grateful for it okay so he left you oh f- fully okay fully <laughs> let yeah. it be known okay got it yeah i feel like i dodged the bullet because he couldn't make it to our second date and then i was like okay bye then i'm not interested and then i did feel bad at first yeah we talked well, about kinda, it it's not like he just like dumped me out on the streets i was trying to be better about like i said like standing up for myself and like vocalizing when somebody's not treating me right so i told him i was like this is not gonna cut it like this amount of communication like i just i'm not happy with it how it is and he basically just said like sorry i can't get any better because he was well he spread too thin let me tell you (laughs) yeah he was really busy not just with work with 20 other girls busiest man alive he is the most impressive most hard-working person i've ever heard of in life knowing what he is able to accomplish in a day it was actually crazy when i reached out to brooke and i finally told because basically i talked to him very briefly and it was during december of 2022 and then i could tell when him and brooke started talking i was like oh cool and maybe they'll 
they seem like a better match. But in the back of my head, I was like, Ugh, did I go too hard on him? Blah, blah. And my f- one of my friends was staying with me at the time. Uh, my friend was staying with me. She's from Portugal. And she was the one that was like, he's a loser. And someone told me too. And I was like, I was so offended. I was like, oh my God, like, how dare you? He's so sweet. Yeah, she thought he sucks. So she was like, get over it really fast. And then months later, whenever it broke out with you called him out and then like 20 other girls, she, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of it. And she started sending me all that stuff to kind of validate, like, look, I was right. Look at this. Yeah. Like you could have, you could have been one of those 20, 30 girls that he was dating at the same time. And I'm like, oh my that gosh, was- you're right. That that was a, the 30 or 20 that was all in the headlines. That was not accurate. Although, I mean, it probably was close, but... Whatever. Loads of girls. It was, it was like, quite a few girls. And not all of us, like, to be clear, it's not like he was, like, talking to 30 girls at a time. But, like, all of us had overlap with, like, at least a couple girls in the group. Let me guess. Your medicine cabinet is crammed with stuff that just doesn't work for you. Maybe you're not sleeping. Maybe you're still hurt. Maybe you're stressed out. That's how it used to be for me. I got in a car accident around 10 years ago and I still have disc fractures in my back, two of them. And I'm constantly in pain. And because my personality is so bubbly and outgoing and ADHD, I struggle with being able to go to sleep and turn it off until I was able to reset my health with CBD from CB Distillery. It's been such a change for me. I'm finally sleeping because I'm taking sleep more seriously this year. And thanks to them, I'm finally able to go back to sleeping at least seven to eight hours a night. CB Distillery's targeted formulations are made from the highest quality clean ingredients. There's no fluff. There's no fillers. It's just pure, effective CBD solutions designed to help support your health. In two non-clinical surveys, 81% of customers experience more calm. 80% said CBD helped them with the pain after physical activity on one of them. And an impressive 90% said that they slept better with CBD. I'm also part of that. So if you struggle with a health concern and you haven't found relief, then make the change that I did to CB Distillery. With over 2 million customers and a solid 100% money-back guarantee, CB Distillery is a source to trust. And right now, I have a 20% discount code to give you to get you started. So visit cbdistillery.com and use my code ADULTING for 20% off. That is cbdistillery.com using my code ADULTING. And I will also include that in the description bio of today's episode. And again, it's cbdistillery.com. A while back, I was having serious hair shedding issues, hair thinning issues because of stress life itself and also i used to have hair extensions which is why i finally decided to take out my hair extensions cut my hair and just start from scratch part of my routine i was taking these neutrophil supplements every single morning i take four in the morning and the last six months i've seen so many different results with my hair it's natural it's 100 percent drug free and i've seen even a difference in my lashes my eyebrows And obviously, like I said, my hair, it's even helped me with sleeping, which has been pretty cool. Nutrafol is a number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people who are seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. You can basically go on their site and take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan that's based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, you can build a hair growth routine that's super simple. You purchase online, no prescription required, then they have free shipping and automated deliveries that ensure that you will never miss a day again and you will see results in three to six months. How amazing is that? 
86% of women, including myself, have reported seeing improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol's women's hair growth supplements for at least six months. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time right now, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off of your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter my promo code ADULTING. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com using my promo code ADULTING. Again, that is Nutrafol.com, promo code ADULTING. Take better care of your hair today. I'm only asking this in the way that somebody else can tell for the future with whatever guy they're dating. Like in the beginning, especially because dating someone like Matt, the reason I was interested in talking to him not dating like talking to him was because i liked how much words of affirmation is one of my love languages Mm -hmm. so the way he would talk to me in text he was like you're you're the only girl for me blah blah blah. and i was just like that makes sense that checks out i love it i'm such an advocate for love bombing because it just makes like how could you not feel that way about me it's in like how i feel right i'm like of course you're like so now looking back it makes sense love bombing is one of the red flags looking back now when you were seeing matt were there any red flags and now you're like, oh, like, for example, when he had to see his grandma or whatever, like, what were the red flags? Oh, that, was, that wasn't me. That was another girl in the group. Oh. I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I have a hard time with red flags. If I were to notice them, then I might be able to avoid them. But I never see them. Like, I don't see them the way that everybody else sees them. I truly thought like, oh, this is the nicest guy. It should have been a red flag that like, if that many girls, like that many beautiful girls like are interested in a guy you can safely assume that he's not only talking to one girl like i never assume that with any guy we should though like but can't you just well maybe i'm maybe i thought i was different (laughs) but the truth is yes from every single dating book that i read that i give advice on all jokes aside of course yes you are not the exception with most guys but there is one guy you are going to be the exception for yeah god i so hope there so. is going to be that one guy that regardless because then what you're supposed to only date like the most ogre looking guy because hopefully he has no options so then he'll pick you you want the guy who has plenty of options but you're the only one he's paying attention to i actually just someone else just told me that and now that now that's going to be my new thing that somebody recently told me that i'm carrying with me yeah because like I don't know. I know it's true and it, I shouldn't be so cynical about it, but I have to be because it just keeps happening to me over and over again. Maybe I think it's important to be more cautious. One thing that I've learned is that I don't have enough standards when I'm dating because mm-hmm. it's more my side thing and I'm so focused on work that my friendships and dating, it's more like whatever pops up, that's okay. Maybe I can mold them into what I'm looking for. And I've realized that's been my mistake because the yeah. people I'm dating are not actually because I'm not being more specific yeah with what i'm looking for i had a hard time because i didn't really know necessarily what i was looking for i'm doing it like reverse now where i'm i'm learning from each guy like what i'm not looking for so like yeah qualities that i've had in the last like few people i've dated that were just non-negotiable like i cannot have that in another like man moving forward and like honestly the matt thing not even that serious it like it was it was such a blip like a tiny little period of my life that like it didn't really even bother me but I wasn't going to go down defending him online. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, the math thing is not serious. I think that's where we're able to have this conversation, laugh about it. And that's why I just randomly divulged that I also used to talk to him, which, by the way, all we've ever done is kiss. We never did not do more than that. What a blessing. Thank the Lord. 
so many reasons that that's all that happened. <laughs> but every story in general does have a silver lining, which is the things you learn. So you said your silver lining is that you're learning everything you don't want. Mm-hmm. So what so far based on not just Matt, but other people that you've dated that you've learned what you don't want in a partner? I'm I hate to say it because I am such a fan of it, but love bombing like I'm no. I it I love it in the moment and it ma- it like you said it makes sense and stuff but I mean no love bombing situation that I've ever been in has been a success story so I'm I'm Not starting yet. to think like maybe that's the maybe <laughs> that's yet. the common denominator but like I've dated now guys who like maybe are just like more healthy about it and like it's a little bit more like slowly onset and is it pains me because I'm like God you must not be that into me but like that's a healthy yeah you're right. Because it's not real because anything that uh, burns off really fast dies off just as fast. But the problem is I really am it that into somebody that quickly. Me too. So, but it's also that's also not real because you're into the fantasy. Yeah, you're right because you can't even know somebody that well exactly. in that amount of time. That's why normally the first trade that pops up about them that you don't like or let's say someone's so into you. Have you ever dated somebody that was so insanely into you? They're not even cheating on you or anything like that but they're so into you and then one day you do something that irritates them whatever and they they can just move on and they move on to someone else really quickly and you're like what the hell i thought we had something and it's because they build such a fantasy and you can just transfer it to somebody else exactly you're just their fairy tale and that's why they haven't had a chance to actually get emotionally attached to you that's why you do one wrong thing and they go whoa you're ruining my fantasy someone else and then that's why another girl just replaces you so quickly and you're like did we have nothing and yeah you guys had nothing God, I hate that. It's crazy. I know. It makes me sad as well. But that's the truth. I don't know. So, yeah, I guess I would avoid love bombing. Like, uh, maybe on some level I like it. Or just like, like you said, words of affirmation. Like, you don't have to be like a complete love bomber. I liked somebody to just give me some. Yeah. Like. But I do agree when it's slowly, then they probably really, really like you. When they say things like, you're the girl for me or my wife or whatever. Then, yeah, like, wait a little. Yeah. So I want to dive in, get to know more about you. Okay. Okay. So moving on from relationships, what would you say a pivotal life moment or experience that's happened in your life that's really, you would say, shaped the person that you are today, both personally and maybe even potentially professionally? Honestly, just going to college. I know I just made this whole thing about how (laughs) I did go to college. So you did go to college? I don't know why I made such a thing of that. I literally did three and a half years of college. I just didn't get a degree. Okay. I'm six credits away. But the actual, like, experience of going to college, like, all the time I spent and, like, the friends I made and stuff was, like, the most formative period of my life. Because I feel like socially I'd be, like, six years back had I not gone. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Some people really, it does help to be around surrounded by people constantly Mm -hmm. to kind of develop the personality yeah and I had always like had the same group of friends and they were amazing friends but I wasn't like out meeting new people all the time so it was like a very different environment for me and I feel like I've learned so much from it and I can tell now when I'm talking to somebody if they've not been to college or if they've not like had an experience like that because I'm like they're a little it feels like they're a little like younger can you tell with my personality no (laughs) okay good I mean, I went to a Cal State, so uh, it was just commuting. So I didn't get, I would say, the college experience. I'm thinking more so my, like, younger friends. I do have a lot of friends that are, like, younger than me, like, 22. Oh, okay, got it. That makes sense. And you can, it, like, it just feels the way my friendships were out of high school kind of thing. 
yeah not in a bad way but just you can tell well it's also different because now a lot of people socialize on social media so i would say the younger people don't have the same experience that we did where we were kind of more forced to be in the streets Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah different a little now okay so when I was watching your YouTube vlog last week, another thing that I've noticed that you mentioned, I found really interesting and I wanted to kind of dive into it. You said it kind of in passing how year 2022 was a terribly low year for you where you wanted to, quote unquote, exit Earth, to quote you. Yeah. So that really struck a chord with me. And I think I think I wanted to kind of elaborate on it more because I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. So I was wondering if you mind kind of sharing one of your lowest moments from that year that made you feel that way and then how you kind of overcame it so we had gone on like a break from the podcast at the end of that year or like in the middle of the year and I had immediately gotten into the relationship with like the liar that we were talking about and so I had I'd lost like my job essentially so I like really had nothing that I was doing your podcast got canceled in that moment yeah it was like we it was like a break that we took but it was like seven months long where we just had no podcast at all so and I felt relationship like relationship ended it started oh. so I had lost like the, the this like sense of purpose because I had nothing that I was really doing other than like making YouTube videos which isn't very fulfilling <laughs> like honestly and I got into this relationship that was just a very unhealthy like toxic relationship And so my like self-esteem, I feel like just throughout the relationship just got worse and worse and worse. So then when it was over, I was like, just not well at all. And I was like, at the time I had, I was like not medicated, not taking anything for like any of my little mental situations. And it was just really bad news. But I had like, I had a couple really good friends. I was like talking about them earlier, like my three that I go to. And I'm not kidding. They babysat me like I had everybody taking shifts like that sounds so bad. But I literally I would have to have somebody with me all the time. That doesn't sound bad at all, because one thing when it comes when people go through a low period or darkness, they loneliness and isolation are two of their best friends. And it's also the two worst things that you put yourself through because during loneliness and isolation your mind starts to play tricks on you by lying to you so you start to believe that people love you less than they really do which is why most people tend to not reach out to other people for help Mm -hmm. because you believe no one cares about me no one loves me so why would I ask for help they'll laugh at me and things like that and that's how people take it really much further so that's interesting that you mentioned that because one of my questions to you was going to be if you found potentially it difficult to express that you were going through a tough time or to articulate the words of how you were feeling but you said that your friends were able to kind of read what you were going through historically like I've been somebody always who like I'm never openly emotional like with my friends and stuff if I'm going through it I usually am very in like it's very like I keep it to myself but this particular situation I was it was so like it was scary to me because I felt so like out of my own head that I needed, like, I felt like it, like, I never even thought about not telling somebody because I was, like, scared. But yeah. I also, I have borderline, so, like, emotions to me, like, it can be, like, the smallest emotion. It feels, like, huge. So just that breakup, like, a regular breakup is horrible and hard, but, like, when there's, like, that amount of, like, deceit and lying and just, like... But that's a really big thing. I mean, I'm, I hope that you understand that that shows a lot of strength on your end because you were able to 
be so self-aware to process like wait I'm, compl- I'm genuinely not doing okay that I can't keep it to myself anymore like I have to reach out to someone that's a lot of self-awareness for you to well, be able to do that thank you but I I definitely had help I had like one specific friend and I like credit her for everything because she sat me down and she not kidding she was online ordering my meds like doing like signing me up for therapy like she was so good about it and helpful and like that was when I like finally started kind of getting out of it but it was like it was just like not a good time I'm sure. So when people are going through lows or darkness, obviously the road to recovery is not a straight line. It's Mm -hmm. definitely completely the opposite of it. But do you recall any specific moments during your lows where you felt a spark of happiness or positivity that gave you this hope that maybe you will be okay? Yeah, I'm sure. Like in the beginning, I'm not kidding. It was probably like three months of like just do like I just felt like my life was over it sounds bad but I was like grieving like my boy I felt like my boyfriend died because it was like an imaginary person that's how I that's how I do every single one of my breakups was probably because I'm a Scorpio yeah I grieve some people do it they'll like funeral and everything but it just it really truly felt like he had died because he was not a real person like I was like crying with him every night over his mom and like helping him through this and like just I everything I knew about him it was just imaginary so I literally I was like this was an imaginary relationship I was in he literally died yeah and I'm sure it made you feel like you can't even trust yourself yeah and I felt that was like half the battle too was just feeling so stupid and I know now that like I couldn't have that was like not my fault but in the moment I just was like how the fuck did I let this happen to myself yeah I mean they do say when it rains it pours and it's always in threes Mm -hmm. bad things when they come so it makes sense you know you lost your sense of purpose with your job and then of course the breakup happens which is two I don't know what the third one was but yeah I hope it's not still coming <laughs> no it's done you're done with that no, but I did yeah there were of course like little moments of hope and just like being around friends and stuff where I was like okay like I can live without this lizard did you have a memory of a specific point that felt like the turning point where you felt okay I can't do this on my own anymore I need help like this is too overwhelming honestly just immediately when it happened a a lot of it I genuinely like don't even remember because I was so miserable I was like I'd make my mom sit on the phone with me for like 12 hours a day and just like oh I don't know but the second I started because I I've been on medication like most of my like since I was probably like 15 on and it was only these past couple years that I hadn't been so the second I got back on it I was like oh shit so when you were going through this you I was so you weren't medication before and then during this period you were not on medication Yeah, because I had I when I moved to um, California I didn't have like or I couldn't transfer my prescription or whatever I, I just never went and refilled it so I was like I'm I'm doing fine I don't need it and I really was for like several years what are you diagnosed with I have borderline personality and then just depression and anxiety but borderline kind of all goes with Borderline. What is borderline personality disorder for those who don't know what that is? It's comparable to like bipolar, but it's way quicker. It's like my emotions are not like m- major like manic episodes followed by like depressive episodes. It's very like at the drop of the dime, I like I can just feel like the sky is falling kind of thing. And I'm very, very reactive. And a lot of people, for some people, it's like it's reflected in how they treat people, but a lot of people just like target it inward and it can be like either like self-harm or like just I mean there's a million different ways that you can handle like the crazy overwhelming emotions but it's basically just feeling an emotion intensely times 20 times like what a normal person should feel 
Yeah, I read that self-harm is very common with borderline personality disorder, but I've also read that borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder is often, very often misdiagnosed Mm -hmm. for people or people think they have, not regarding you, but I mean in general that because it overlaps with ADHD, anxiety, depression. So how, how did you know exactly the symptoms that you have are? I didn't, honestly. And I- The doctor knew. I well, I first was like introduced to the idea when I was probably like seventeen, and I my mom has um my mom's bipolar, but my sister has borderline. Got it. And so, and it is hereditary, so I wasn't really like doubtful when I heard it the first time. But I had never had anything like that was so triggering to me that I felt like because I'm emotional, but a lot of people are emotional. I was like, it could be my zodiac signs, or for all <laughs> I know, like. But it wasn't until like really like that situation where I realized like because that was such a trigger and it was like the way that I handled it was so abnormal and how I felt was so abnormal that I was like, okay, here it is. And then I just never had any doubts about it. But it is like a lot of them do overlap. There's like ADHD, especially like. Yeah, I I, I think I only said it because they the doctors when I was younger tried to diagnose me with bipolar disorder and I completely disagreed with it. And I then get that. I moved. rejected mine yeah. originally. I'm like, no, <laughs> not me. And then we moved. They moved to ADHD because mm-hmm. of the really impulses common. and things like that. Like the impulses and and our reactions and things like that. It doesn't like our front lobes just process things differently. I used to offend people. People would start crying, and then next thing I go, wait, what just happened? I'll be really confused because I don't understand, right? What's going on? Uh, but I've gotten better, obviously, I think, as an adult in general. But I, my medication helps me. Yeah, it is hard to, like, I, for all I know, I could, I could be wrong. Like, you, there's no way really truly to know. But for me, I, I saw it in other people and didn't necessarily, like, agree with, like, I've, I know a lot of people who also have borderline who it looks so different in them. Kind totally. Of so you were not on that medication and then you sunk really low. Did you feel a sense of relief when you realized... Because for me, when I'm really upset about something, it's harder for me. Even going through depression, which I have in the past, it's hard for me when you feel all this pain and you don't, you can't attach it to anything. But then when you realize, oh, I can attach it to this and I can get better, I feel better. So did you feel a sense of relief when you got your medication finally again and you saw a, a flip, like a change? Absolutely. It was literally like night and day. And like, I know so many people who like are either like hesitant to take medication it's obviously not for everybody but it is for me like if so, I, I think so if something can help you I don't care what other people say you should take it for yourself if yeah it helps you. well when I'd initially like in high school I like when I first started it my dad told me he's like Brooke it's like being diabetic and saying like no I don't want to take insulin like that doesn't make any sense yeah and so once he put it like that I was like okay fine and it helped me so much then and like there were I mean I'm sure if ever I get like to where I'm really stable again, I could probably go off of it, but I'm safe where I am right now. I'm like, I'll take it forever. <laughs> Do you see a change in your personality or how you react to things now that you're back on medication? Um, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I just feel like I can, um, I have more like clarity when I think about things. Cause I mean, what the medication I'm talking about isn't even, it's not like specifically to treat like borderline or anything. It's just an antidepressant. But like right. when, because I'm so reactive and because I'm like everything is so huge to me I can't like rationally think or make decisions and stuff when I'm feeling like sad so to just not feel sad helps me like 
clearly decide like this is right to do this is wrong to do so one of your first steps to getting better was obviously getting back on medications to take care medication to take care of your mental health what would you say some of your other steps were in order to finally to slowly get out of that darkness for anyone out there that's listening that's currently going through darkness i feel like being around friends i as is true in most like emotionally abusive or like toxic relationships i had completely like separated myself from my friends i had not seen any of them in months i was like not spending any time with friends at all so then i felt like i had nothing to fall back on when it was like over and of course all my friends were so amazing when it was like when we broke up and like welcomed me back and stuff but like that helped because it was like god i felt like nobody was there and so I don't know. As soon as I started hanging out with friends again, going out, doing things, it was like a good season too because it was like all of a sudden it was, I mean, it was like this time of year. So like, oh, it felt like spring was coming and I was like, okay, like it's getting better. I guess I would ask you two questions for that. One, what advice would you give anyone listening out there that's currently going through darkness? How can they get better? I feel like it helps to just know that it's not obviously going to be like that forever. I have such an issue with like emotional permanence. Like, I can never imagine feeling any differently than I feel in that like immediate moment. Like right now I'm so happy and I can't imagine, I can't even really like put myself in that place anymore. And so it's hard for me in the opposite. Like when I am like so low to imagine being happy again, but then you are. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Understanding it literally will be over. Yeah. It is so crazy when you feel really bad and it's crazy though, because when it comes to happiness, we know and believe that it's fleeing to the point that we sometimes don't even celebrate the happy moments in that moment. We're like, whatever, that's not that meaningful, you know? But then when it comes to, for some reason, sadness or anger, we're like, this is how I will feel for the rest of my life. It will never get better. It's just like being (laughs) sick or like being really in pain. It's like you're never sitting here actively thinking like, oh, I don't have a headache right now. But like, yeah, you're not appreciating like, oh my God, I feel like I'm not sick right now. You're yeah. never going to feel that way. I don't have a migraine. No, but like it's, I don't. Yeah, but yeah. it's the same. It's the same thing. Like, I don't know. But you, I, I struggle with it even still because when I do like have like really bad weeks or whatever, I'm like, God, like if this will never get better. But I'm like, yes, it will. So just know, I guess that's my advice. Know that it does get better. And that's so like dumb. Just I feel like I hear everyone say that. But like, it's true. It does. I agree. It's crazy when you end up somehow looking back, like now how you're looking back. Because when you talked in your vlog how you were so thankful for 2023, and then you mentioned, well, the reason is because 2022 was so low for me that I ended up being thankful for last year. But it's so true, those moments when you look back and you all these moments that you thought you were never going to get through, it just, things just change and you're just, you're doing okay again. I think that's so awesome thank you i'm like i also just too think like i'm such a believer in like things go really really horribly before they're about to go really really well and like like historically that's always how it's always how it's been like that was like the worst most horrible like terrible period of my life right before like the most like success i'd ever had and like most happiness i'd ever had one thing that i've learned when i've gone through moments where everything felt like it's the worst right now because you're not verbalizing it you're just it's an all in your thoughts is that if you sat down and you actually logically thought it through is this the worst what are how can i fix this what are my solutions what are my outcomes from this because you're like it's the end of the world i'm going to die blah blah but then you're like okay am i actually going to die from this situation so because for example when i first bought my house three four years ago 
I made such a big decision really quickly, impulsively. ADHD, I guess. <laughs> well, it's my medication. Super impulsively. And then within a month or two, because the no one tells you about the cost of buying it. It was like just $100,000 just to spend into my all the signing contracts and everything. I, I remember you talking about this I, maybe so, on your podcast or something. You're, but you're so saying, fun that you just remember yeah. things that I say. I lo- Thank you. Yeah, so no one told me about all these extra things. And here I am suddenly looking at my bank account. I remember I because I'm not a saver. So everything I put in, I was just a very fortunate year for me. And I used whatever checks I got paid to put a down payment on this house. And then I spent all the signing all that and then I looked at my bank account and I kid you not I have $3,000 in my bank account and my mortgage was $10,000 for the following month and I sat and I looked at my bank account because it takes with our jobs it takes around three months to roll money to come in from a job that you book yeah that you did so I looked and I said I stopped eating like I remember I lost weight uh, for a couple of weeks because I was just like stressed out and I wanted to just kill myself and I'm like this is the biggest mistake I've ever made I can't believe I bought this house it brings me nothing but trouble and then I suddenly just sat down I was like okay is it the end of the world no what are what can I do from this okay I can sell my house I can rent out my house and move in with my sister I can get a roommate and then suddenly when I yeah, there really are so many solutions, exactly. but it's hard. To, it's it's hard because I'm like, sometimes I just can't think rationally. Like bold of you to assume I could ever just sit down and lay it out. Like well, once I did that, I was like, oh, OK, I actually do have options. I said or I can do what I did in the beginning where I'm just going to create a whole marketing plan, reach out to 100 brands. And there's going to be a small percentage, maybe a 5% chance, one of them will answer and I'll get a job that can pay me ahead of in advance. And that's what happened. I said, can you guys I'm pay big me on in that? Because I struggled with that so many. I'm not a saver either. And like so much yeah. in the beginning of my career, especially like I, the whole like three month turnaround thing, like, oh my God, it was horrible. I was overdrawing my account all the time because I was like spending money that was imaginary. Oh, yeah, I remember I seen that in your videos. Yeah. And like, I just, I really struggled with that. Now I'm a lot better at saving money, but like, God. Yeah, I'm getting I won't, I won't even do a job now that if, if it's not like 30-day net. I will never take a 90-day net job, ever. I know. I need to be more specific with that. I do get a normal, even when they say it's 45-day net. And I'm like, yeah, now. It's, it's nice, though, because it's like, so long as you don't spend it like you have it, I was spending it like I had it. And I'm like. I just didn't understand the cost. But yeah, I ended up getting money in advance. And then I was able to continue this house but it was such a big difference between just not being able to eat not sleeping I just was I age I swear I looked like I was 50 I was just so stressed out and I was too scared to tell anyone my family for them not to worry about me so I'm just holding all it it in like no one's experiencing the pain with me because I don't want anyone to know to worry for me so I'm just you know wits end and then I once I sat down I said okay so I could sell the house I could rent it I could get a roommate. I could get another job. Oh, okay. And then I was fine. It was, it's awesome. <laughs> right. It's just, it's hard when this guy is actively falling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess I can be kind of internally dramatic sometimes. Yeah, well, that's normal, I think. What would you say is something that a lot of people don't realize about people that have borderline personality disorder? I think a lot of people just assume, because there's like, you know, people talk about like splitting and like going really like crazy on people like around you and stuff like that. And it's not that way from like a lot of people or like me anyway. Of course, I have like I'm pretty reactive sometimes. I'm like I might like go off on somebody. But most of my like the way that I like react is inward. So I like will 
be super compulsive. I'll like spend a lot of money or I will stop eating for however many days. Like it just, it's like weird, like self-harm behaviors, like that I can't, I literally can't control. And as opposed to like hitting one of my friends, which I feel like a lot of people think like borderline and bipolar people think are like really um, aggressive. Maybe they don't, but that's what I thought. Well, like, that's why I thought uh, that can't be me. Davidson, I think, has borderline personality Uh disorder, right? A lot of people, yeah. And, like, my sister, my sister's, like, a little bit more, um, like, violent. Well, not violent, but, like, that was how she, like, the way I saw it in her. So I was like, that cannot be me. And I didn't realize that, like, it doesn't always show that way. So part of being a super smart businesswoman is to make super amazing, really good decisions at all times. And obviously, although 50% of the time I'm still making regrettable decisions, I've decided for 2024, there's going to be at least one good decision I'll be making, and that is partnering with EveryPlate. So if you're looking for a better budget for your food expenses this year, I have your back. You can get more bang for your buy with America's best value meal kit out there. Every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping and 50% cheaper than your average fast casual meal. They have no hidden fees, so you can count on a great value week after week after week. Plus, you only pay for what you need with their pre-portioned ingredients. They plan the meals and then they deliver the pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. They are the easiest way to eat affordably. I mean, that is literally why I chose them. Aside from the fact that they also have these 15-minute or less dinners which is the second reason I chose them because I get bored so easily. I don't like to cook, but they don't make it feel like work. And then I'm eating, I'm full and I'm happy and I feel like a grown up. And also their meal kits are so well known for such a low price. That is one of the main reasons what sets every plate apart from any other meal service. And with every plate, they provide plenty of delicious varieties so you never get stuck in some cooking rut. They have 26 tasty and affordable recipes that change every single week, including their 15 minutes or less dinners and their dinner to lunch dishes. It's easy to find something flavorful and satisfying for every single meal of the day. Plus, you can add even more delicious options to your order with up to 22 convenient sides, lunches, snacks, desserts. Should I go on? I mean, it sounds already amazing, okay? So get a meal for just $1.49 plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering my code 49adulting. Subscription must be active to qualify and redeem that one steak dollar. Again, you can get a meal for $1.49. You heard me right. Plus $1 steaks for life by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering my code 49adulting. Subscription must be active to qualify and redeem the $1 steak. Take better care of your meal plan and your food and your budget. You're welcome. So then with medication, obviously now it's more controlled what does a day to day in your life looks like with borderline personality disorder with taking your depression medication? Do you ever have experienced episodes while you're still on the medication or is that kind of not? Yeah, happening? I mean, it's just like some people need like mood stabilizers. I've never even tried a mood stabilizer because to me, I don't think my like mine is so bad that I need it yet. I hope it never is. But I of course, I still have like re- like really intense emotions, but I can manage them now and like in a daily like or in my daily life I'm not like triggered really by anything crazy if something were to happen again like a extreme line like relationship and stuff it might be different but I haven't had anything since then to like really set me off that way so what advice would you have for someone out there that's currently listening that 
is potentially feels maybe shame around having some type of whether it's borderline disorder or bipolar disorder any anything like that where they're currently not medicated or they they feel like there's something wrong with them if they take the medication what advice do you have to tell them about that i mean obviously if you don't want to take medication don't but it helps so many people and like it's not it's the least shameful thing in the world i feel like there's not a person that i can name off the top of my head who doesn't have something you know what i mean like That's whether it be true. like depression or anxiety or it's so common it's it's as simple as like having a cold it's just like you get sick i agree i think i've been diagnosed with adg and other things since i was a child and i've always just refused to take any of that and then i got lucky in a way when i was an accountant and one of my managers recommended that I get a medication to calm my personality down, which, trust me, HR got involved, so it wasn't, <laughs> they weren't smart about that. But I just always thought that if I got medication, then I admitted defeat, that there's something wrong with me. But in reality... A lot of people feel that exactly, way. Exactly. But in reality, I wasn't being myself. My emotions were so... Sometimes I would just hide my emotions because they were so overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. So it was crazy when I got on medication... And I was like, but what if it takes away my personality? And it's like, is my personality right now like wanting to key my keying my boyfriend's car? Like, is that yeah. really my personality? I don't, who knows? <laughs> Does what it if feel it takes like away it? my sparkle? <laughs> yeah, it was taking away my spark. And then suddenly it was so crazy when I got prescribed my Adderall. And it's like everything around me just calmed down. Mm -hmm. And it even helped with my anxiety, whatever anxiety I had. It, and it with any depression my emotions before were so extreme and now because well, a lot of that sorry keep going yeah no go ahead i don't know if you know madeline argy but she has like such a good um she talks about this a lot but like so much of those like symptoms like anxiety d depression and stuff are just due to not being able to accomplish the things that you might like normally do especially in people with adhd yeah. like i i've been diagnosed with adhd i kind of that's another one i kind of like reject <laughs> I don't know why. Again, it's like a Venn diagram. No, fair, like they all I said overlap. I rejected bipolar. Yeah. <laughs> so I just chose to go with uh, ADHD and you chose with borderline disorder. They That's do fine. all just like kind of overlap. But like, I feel like a lot of those things could be just, just completely avoided if you targeted the actual issue, which prob probably exactly. is your ADHD. I would hope, hopefully. But <laughs> it's it did. It helped me. It was crazy. It, it's, it felt like I could see again. I don't know how to explain it, but suddenly I had 20-20 vision. And when people were speaking to me, well, first of all, in high school, I used to just fall asleep constantly. For, forget that part. It was more also my emotions. And suddenly I could just process things more like a normal person. Right. Before, I always thought there was something wrong with me. And it's just crazy that I rejected having medication for so many years when in reality, it could have made my life so much easier. Yeah, I think you just got to think about you over everybody else because like, I, I understand that not wanting to do it and like not wanting to like ex or like accept defeat or whatever it is like but I was so desperate to just feel better that I was like I don't care I'll do anything if you like especially in that moment when I was like panicking that bad I'm like you could have told me like cut off both of your arms and it'll be over and I would have done it yeah but I think a lot of us would that's but that's like self-harm so a lot of us yeah. would actually yeah go right. to self-harm <laughs> to stop the emotional pain yeah well yeah <laughs> i don't recommend that at all yeah don't cut off both arms try meds first for sure so one thing that i've realized the last the past year when i was right now because i'm writing for a writing project that i have so i have to revisit some of my old memories that are not the happiest so one thing that i realized when i was revisiting some of my worst moments I learned a big lesson that where I wish 
that I would have realized back then that I had people in my life who loved me, who would cry with me through the bad times. And back then I didn't realize it, which made me feel so alone. And I think that is kind of my advice now for anyone out there that's listening, which is you're doing your friends and your loved ones the service in your life if you don't share the pain with them because they want to be there for you. And that's something I just didn't realize until even my recent years. So do you kind of have a life lesson or some type of lesson that you think will be helpful to anyone listening? First of all, I really agree with what you're saying because I'm like, had I probably just been more vocal about how I was feeling in a lot of moments, like growing up especially, first of all, it helps everybody understand you better and like can react to how you're reacting better. So that one's just like... It's crazy. It also makes people feel closer to you, which I never understood that. But even with my therapist, I finally shared a personal moment. Even my therapist goes thank you so much. I feel closer to you. And I'm like, what? That's why I struggle with therapy though. Cause like just, I had like a, my, you know, my parents were drug addicts and stuff. And like, I just had like a kind of shitty, <laughs> like <laughs> not you laughing oh, at my me. parents. <laughs> no, Cause the way you're just, yeah, my parents were like drug no, addicts. Like, like, I just, I've had, I had things that like obviously upset me as a like kid and growing up and stuff that I never would talk about. Cause I felt like it was like, I didn't want people to pity me or I didn't want people to f- like think I wanted them to feel bad for me and that was never of course what it was but like there were so many things I probably should have spoken up about and didn't for fear of like being pitied or like people yeah. thinking like yes I agree I used to be so scared god forbid people are going to view me as a victim so I thought it was so much stronger for never speaking up I, I growing up as a child when I was get bullied and I'm talking about bullied when I was leaving my middle school no one would speak to me because we won the green card lottery and the people in my grade were upset at me for because it was a big dream a big american dream like to move to america was a really big deal back then so people like the popular kids who used to be my friends at the time would like throw things at me anywhere i went and like no one was allowed to speak to me and it it was really bad and i just would not cry because i didn't want my parents to stress over me you know because i'm like yeah you don't want to burden anyone exactly and i stopped showing up to school the last month and i would just hang out on the grass for eight hours every day i'd be like bye mom going to school and i didn't wow and again i got for a bit like i told her and like looking back now i was thinking because yeah that's what i remember my parents were speaking to my sister and i recently and they said how they still worry about me to this day my sister and i both they said when you have kids you'll understand that doesn't matter how old you are you will always worry about your children. Right. You always think about them. And I said, that's when I realized, wow, I wish I knew that my parents were still worrying about me when I was younger because I would have just, I wish I would have talked to them because yeah. I thought it was so strong not sharing it. And in reality, it was made me really weak for yeah. not. I think, I hope at least like p- kids and stuff now, it's such like way more an open conversation, like mental health and stuff in general. So I feel like p- kids might be more inclined to like speak up when things are bothering them and stuff but I feel like yeah like when we were growing up I, I was like ashamed and I was like I felt like I had a secret yeah and I, I think I was just really embarrassed because I was like what if my parents think I'm a loser that's so embarrassing no <laughs> well I think it's also my personality is so bubbly so then it was embarrassing to admit that I'm not as outspoken as you that, that's actually the reason I'm so outspoken now it's because growing up I just would things would happen to me I just let it happen I would just freeze and I would just allow it which pissed a lot of kids off because I have no reaction you like throw things at me you try to hit me I'm just standing there right but now that's why I'm so outspoken because I don't want that to ever be me again well that's great I'm like see stick up for yourself that's the lesson yeah speak up that's what I was trying to get at earlier I'm like um like speak up like for yourself (laughs) 
<laughs> I still but struggle with it, obviously. Do you feel like you are way more open then again, I guess, with your fear of feeling like a victim if you, I mean, that is a really big deal, by the way, to grow up with two drug addict parents. That's definitely really traumatizing. Well, and I don't feel sorry for you. I'm just no, expressing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely am way more. I mean, I talk all the time now about like mental health and stuff, whereas I never would have done that growing up. But I also didn't really understand like even what was going on. Like I thought I didn't understand what anxiety was growing up or anything. I thought that I just felt super guilty all the time, like because that's the only like emotion that I really like knew about and could attach to it why were you feeling guilty I don't know well now I look back on it I'm like I had anxiety but like in my head I was like I felt like I had done something wrong and like why were you feeling like you did something wrong I don't know I didn't know that's why I know it wasn't actual guilt oh you were you thought you were feeling guilt like you were doing something wrong for having feeling any emotions about well just in general like in general I had like probably like just general like panic or like anxiety or whatever it was and I just all the time I felt like oh my god I like I've done something terrible and I couldn't tell anyone because it was like I I it was my secret are you close to both of your parents mm, I, not really I'm I grew up with my grandparents so okay yeah I recall that I've seen videos of you kind of speaking about that but do you touch on that a lot or is it kind of just in passing? I talk more honestly about my parents because I do. I have a relationship with both of them now, but it's more like so like a friendship. Not like they're not my friends. Like, of course, I they're guess still that. my mom and dad. But like it's like an adult relationship. I never really had like a mother daughter relationship or like, I don't know, like so a, a typical anyway. You grew up with your grandparents and but you knew they were your grandparents, you know, because some people always yeah. talk about my aunt was actually my mother and they yeah, find no, out because I was with I was with my grandparents from when I was 10 on so I was with my parents or my mom before then so were are your parents still together no well until 10 they were together no I, I like my dad was like in and out and like around but it was mostly like my mom got it so and how many siblings do you have I have two sisters one brother all from the same parents? No, no two kids have the same two parents. Three different dads, two moms. Okay. Three different dads, two moms. That's Arizona. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It literally I'm is. Kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. May I ask when you say both of your parents were drug addicts, what kind of drug addicts? When I was growing up, it was crystal meth. And then when I was like off with my grandparents, it was heroin. Wow. Which I don't, I feel like those two are like so different. I'm like, how did we switch? I don't really know. I don't really know how it works. Obviously, when you're really young, you can't tell behaviors yet. So did you, was there a specific moment where you can tell that one of your parents was using? Oh, we could. T- I could tell. I mean, I had an older sister, too. So, like, we I, I knew what was going on. And I knew, obviously, that that was, like, what was going on wasn't normal. Because my mom would sleep. She would sleep for, like, days at a time. Or she would just, like, leave for days at a time. And we were, like, I was, like, six. <laughs> so I knew it wasn't normal and I knew it was like bad but I also kind of just thought like everybody's families like had that like had bad things like that because like my cousins of course like went through it and stuff too and so I just thought it was normal yeah. until I until I got out of it and then I was like wait a minute wait a second what brought that change of at 10 years old moving in with your grandparents I went for the weekend and I never I never got picked up <laughs> I <laughs> literally like I uh, my mom, I think she probably went to jail or something like either rehab or jail where I like had to go stay with my grandparents and then I just never came back. But it was like a, a conscious choice. I probably could have if I wanted to, but 
But your grandparents just never told you you need to leave. You just kept staying there. Were you living there with your other siblings or was it you specifically? My sister had come in the beginning and then they, she ended up moving back in with her dad in like another city. So then it was just me. It was like, it was two hours away than my grandparents were. And so I went and then everyone else stayed in Tucson. Got it. Did your grandparents ever talk to you about what was going on with your parents or they, were you guys just kind of, I knew I was like, I would definitely was very aware of it. Like. I mean, and it was still very much part of my life after that because obviously I'd still like my mom was still like struggling with it and stuff. And I still would go down to see her and everything. But we didn't it wasn't like a conversation with me and my grandparents. It was kind of just like, oh, okay. so you went for the weekend and then you just moved in and then it just was apparent that you're living there. So then after that, were you did you want to go visit your parents or no. it was more for suddenly your mom wants to see you so you you have to go see her yeah I, I mean I feel horrible to say that because I love my mom she I love her like so much but I did not want to go right yeah. when you I, were well, I just never wanted to go back to Tucson in general because it was like it reminded me of that like then you know what I mean and I was like oh now I have this like super peaceful like sedentary life like it was just no conflict my grandparents never fought never raised their voices like Oh, just right. So much like it was just so much a healthier like household that I was like, I never, ever want to be around them again, which is horrible. And now I don't feel that way. But I did then. Right. The guilt. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I can actually really relate to that. The stuff that I'm writing, I have to talk about in my writing about the not great relationship that I had growing up with my dad. And I feel the same way when because now we have such a good relationship or what I consider good. Obviously, everyone has different definitions of good. And I feel shame when I bring up anything from the past. I'm like, well, we're not like that anymore. So why even have to include yeah. this here? But it is still part of your experience, part of your growth. Yeah, I feel bad because like to be honest about it, like I, I have to say it, but I my mom, my mom watches my stuff and she's so like proud of it and stuff. So like I know it hurts Aww. her feelings if I say it, but watching your parents firsthand with such hard drugs, did that kind of give you a specific outlook towards drugs where either you are you want them or I the other way which you don't want them I just was never that I never was interested in that lifestyle of course I've like you know I had a whole party phase and I've like dab like tried drugs just like every like teenager and stuff but yeah no that was never appealing to me at all mm-hmm. like just the lifestyle of it all like at what point did you decide to kind of mend your relationship with your mother and to kind of work on your on a better friendship? Of course, I've had like a relationship with them, you know, like I would call them and stuff. But it wasn't until like this last year when I was really going through it that I like felt like I really understood my mom because I was so far out of my mind and everything felt so far out of my control that I like sympathized with her because I was like, oh, my oh God, wait, that must your mother be. has yeah. you said bipolar. Yeah. Oh, badly. So, like, when I was going through it, I she helped me so much because she understood it. And it was easy to, like, understand her better once I'd, like, actually experienced it. Was that the first time that you felt like you needed your mom and she and she actually came through? Yeah, and she was amazing. She, like, literally, like, single-handedly got me through that. Like, she would talk to me for 12 hours at a time. Like, and she understood. Like, if I were to – of course, there were a lot of people I could talk to about it, but it helped so much to have somebody who, like – literally knew how like far out of my mind I was you know what right because I mean? someone else would be like okay you're overreacting yeah. blah, blah, but she got it the emotions yeah. the extreme of them and it was really it just was helpful and it helped me like have empathy for her because I was like god sh- I know she doesn't want to feel this way and then with your father do you have a good relationship with him yeah 
I do. He, uh, him, I see a lot more. Like I just saw him for Christmas, because he he lives with my grandparents. He helps take care of my grandparents now. So. Oh, is he sober? Yeah. How long has he been sober for? He he was good at it. He just got sober and. He's good at it. He literally like I don't think he ever even really wanted to be on drugs to begin with, but oh. he's been sober like probably 10, 15 years, as far as I know. Do you think? growing up with in that type of household and environment kind of shaped who you are as a person oh for sure yeah but also like I don't know I got I got out of it my like sister for example I told you she went back with my or her dad she never really got out of that circle and so her life like trajectory just turned out so differently than mine did so I feel like mm-hmm. I was more shaped by like my time with my grandparents than that wow does that make sense no, that does make sense. That kind of helped you probably be where you're at now. Oh, yeah. By getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel guilty about the fact that your sister didn't have the same experience? Um, oh, yeah. I feel like she understands and like she doesn't like feel any type of way about it. But I felt bad for a long time because I was like, that just sucks. But she was older, so it just wasn't the same situation. How do you deal with guilt with allowing yourself to remove it like what do you do when you feel that guilt in anything not just specifically with that i don't know i don't i i just just, let it live inside of you (laughs) that's probably where like half my anxiety comes from first of all thank you so much for sharing that with me and i i I feel guilty right now because when you're sharing everything i really wanted to pay attention but then i was so nervous that my face was doing that thing where you said, I don't want people to pity me and my face was like, no, 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 I don't feel, I don't feel that way now at all. That was like a thing that I've had growing up. Well, I'm honestly really amazed by your upbringing and I think it's really cool how you turned out. Well, thank you. (laughs) Is there anything you feel like I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? I don't think so. I thought you asked such good questions. I've never really talked about any of that either online. So that's really cool. Oh, that makes me really happy. I was aware of your upbringing but I think hearing you say it out loud to me really threw me off to the point that I'm just so amazed of who you are as a person based on your upbringing. Because, you know, many people, they choose different paths in life. They can be a really bitter and angry person if they have a really bad upbringing versus they can be a beacon of light and happiness and still have hope. And, you know, they get to choose the path they go on. I've seen that with both of my parents where my mother, really bad upbringing, the best human I've ever met. My father had a bad upbringing. Took him a while to become a softer person. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really beautiful to hear where you came from and the fact that you as a human still chose to be this soft and sweet, caring person. Well, thank you. I try. <laughs> I feel yeah. like my grandparents were good for that. They were like, they're just amazing. So It also now makes more sense with people you've dated in the past. And why you're drawn to specific personalities. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But I think it is so beautiful that you were able to reconnect with your mother. And I think it was really, hopefully she feels that pride and happiness that there was that moment that she was finally able to give you. Mm-hmm. Like that advice and the shoulder to cry on when she wasn't able to do it. Because people, you know, people are so quick to judge sometimes when it comes to people who deal with substance abuse and they don't realize it's a real disease and it's even worse when a lot of them have mental health issues like you know with your mother with bipolar disorder and they don't realize what goes the pain yeah that those people go through and how 
and the pain that everyone around them goes through. So I think it's really beautiful the fact that your mother was able to be there for you during one of your lowest moments and now you guys get to connect. I, that's amazing. You're so lucky. I think so too. And honestly, I'm grateful for it just to be able to like, like I, I, I know now what she goes through and I can take that into consideration every time I think about anything about her. Whereas before I might have resented her a little. Right, which is nothing wrong with that. I was like that with um, my father for our own reasons. But yeah, I think it's cool when you get older and you kind of realize that you're hitting the age that your parents were at when they first had you. Yeah, and you're like, they're just like us. And I love when yeah. people say, like, the your parents are also going through life for the first time. It's like, crazy. Yeah, you don't realize that. But it's, it's true because they, they, they were doing their best and they just didn't know any better. And I think it's really hard sometimes to be the bigger person as the child because eventually you have to be the parent or the yeah, adult. Yeah, that's the thing. That's such a, I just saw a whole video about that, like the shift where you realize, like, all of a sudden you're switching roles kind of like it is really interesting but yeah but it's beautiful a lot of people would have chosen to be bitter to be the victim or to blame their upbringing for why they are the way they are and you chose the opposite and you connected with your mom again and i obviously i can relate because i have a better relationship with my father now i chose mm-hmm. to do that and it took a lot of work but i'm so proud of the like i'm happy that i'm not going to look back now and regret not mending my relationship with my father yeah so i'm happy that you did the same thing with your mother and, and your dad yeah i'm glad you did i feel like a lot of people just decide not to and like obviously that's a personal choice but i feel like it makes me i can sleep at night happy knowing so yeah is there anything last that you want to leave the listeners with whether it's any advice or anything else i feel like just honestly there's so much mental health conversation i'm like everybody well if you're not mentally ill amazing but if you are no shame in it we all are 100 <laughs> percent. okay so what are you currently working on that people can expect from you in the future so tana and i are about to announce our um tour for 2024 it's um i think we're gonna announce the dates on the 17th so this should come out probably right before then right yeah oh you just announced it yesterday <laughs> i just announced the dates for the 2024 tour yesterday (laughs) amazing so you guys i'm going to i'm going to leave the link for their tour in the description bio of this episode so if you guys and obviously her handles and her podcast and everything else uh we're gonna add in so then if you guys are curious about brooke you want to learn more about her you get to check out her youtube you get to check our canceled podcast and then you get to also uh, buy tickets and in, in case she's in your town when she's Woo-hoo. touring because you're touring for four months we are yeah starting when uh february yeah oh so it's quick yeah it's like right now she's leaving <laughs> I'm okay on my way out all right so lastly where can people find you if i didn't give enough information instagram's brooke scope all everything's just brooke schofield yeah okay thank anyway you guys thank you so much for listening and brooke thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me i loved it okay bye guys Woo-hoo.